0: thank you
1: hello Hello. well this would be short (laughs) (laughs) thanks for uh, coming out everybody to uh, Skylight Books for the uh, fresh to the shelves Uh, Kevin Kramer starts on Monday by Debbie Graber Woo! I guess I first want to say I'm, again, Matt Flanagan, by the way, and I live here in Los Angeles, probably like a lot of you, and uh, I often get uh, people, like maybe a lot of you, hand me books or manuscripts uh, uh, to read, and my brain often goes into this mode where it sort of crosses its arms and and says, uh, okay, we'll see how this is, this book. (laughs) It's, I don't know why my brain's a dick. Or oh, 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 why it uses air quotes, but maybe it's been burned too many times. So, uh... uh trust me uh, uh, that I'm unbiased when I say that I've never gone quicker from my brain being in arms clenched mode to holy shit I think I might be reading something that is unlike anything I've read before uh, and I don't want to get this wrong so you know, I want to say that Debbie has assembled a rogues gallery of characters you hope will never show up at your desk at work they are hilariously awful <laughs> And then, and this is what's amazing to me, somewhere along the way, while you're laughing at them, she tricks you into caring about them, which to me is a damn fine trick. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I just ripped through the book. And, you know, we, uh, Thanks, Matt. we've only known each other, we've, we've met each other uh, on three or four That's occasions. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's fair to say we don't even know each other well enough to know whether we're going to even be friends. <laughs> <laughs> No,
0: so. <laughs> I'm not sure if I like you,
1: so, <laughs> but, but but so trust me when I said that is my honest reaction that I had, and uh, I'm really Thank excited you. to be here to uh, to, to uh, kind of honor this piece of work because it was great. Now, give it up for Debbie Graber reading a sampling from her story, "Winners and Losers."
0: Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Thank you all for coming. Okay, there are two kinds of people in this world. Winners and losers. Winners know on a primal level that they are heads and shoulders above losers. This winner was drinking a beer, watching the game at bumpers, when he noticed an average loser crying like a 10-year-old girl while mangling the lyrics to Faithfully. (laughs) The winner asked the loser, whose name turned out to be Joe Grant, typical loser name, (laughs) what the problem was. Joe replied that his girlfriend had dumped him. The winner thought he would cheer Joe up by buying him a beer, which turned into Joe and the winner getting shit faced on shots of wild turkey. Winners are generous with their time and money.
1: <laughs>
0: when the winner tried to pay the tab at the end of the night, typical winner move, the bartender informed him his debit card was declined. The winner told her that made no sense. He'd asked his parents the day before to please deposit $40 into his account, and he was pretty sure they had come through. The bartender ran the card again without success. The winner tried to explain how bank deposits can take extra long to clear when they are made from a different time zone. (laughs) Winners are very tenacious. Winners attract losers at bars because winners give off an air of self-confidence. Sometimes they go a step further and allow losers to believe they are winners. That's why the winner let Joe Grant pay the $72.50 bar tab. (laughs) He even let Joe Grant buy him a munchie meal at the Jack in the Box across the street. Winners are gracious that way. (laughs) When Joe says his his call center job at the cable company is going to lead to a manager position one day, The winner nods in agreement even though he knows Joe will be wearing a headset for the rest of his life. (laughs) As Joe drones on about how he's taking management courses through the University of Phoenix, the winner sips his Coors Light and changes the subject to football. The winner knows it is inconsiderate to take the wind out of a loser's sails. Losers need to hold on tightly to their dreams no matter how ill-conceived they might be. Winners recognize that losers are losers for life. The winner spends a lot of nights at bumpers listening to Joe's grandiose plans. Sometimes the winner has to tune Joe Joe out. The winner has found that doing whippets in the parking lot beforehand really helps with this. (laughs) It also loosens the winner up. One night, a couple of hot girls came in, and the winner definitely had his flirt on. Winners are courageous. Courageous the winner was a little loopy from all the whippets but he was game when the girls started doing shots of Jägermeister and even later when they switched to tequila winners roll with the punches (laughs) the winner vaguely remembers one of the girls saying something about teaching kickboxing at the Y the winner remembers telling her that even though he had never tried kickboxing before there was no way a girl would be able to take him down Winners know that girls lack the kill factor and they aren't shy about saying it. <laughs> the winner can't exactly remember what happened next, but somehow he ended up splayed out on the Wiz machine, looking down at his bloody tooth. <laughs> Even winners occasionally forget that doing shots after eating nothing but a bean and cheese burrito all day is not the formula for success. <laughs> Winners try to learn from the mistakes they do make. (laughs) Loser Joe Grant left the winner moaning on the floor while he sucked face with the hot kickboxer and then had the temerity to drive off without the winner. Joe had driven the winner to bumpers because the air conditioning in the winner's Toyota Tercel was making that funny noise again. (laughs) Losers have no idea how hard it is to find a cab at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, but winners are resourceful. A winner will limp after an off-duty bus for two blocks before giving up the fight. A winner is willing to sleep on a bus bench, only to be woken up by a man in in a tinfoil hat claiming dibs. (laughs) Winners don't judge others. It's against their nature. Winners believe that with with a tremendous amount of work and intestinal fortitude, anyone can become a a winner, even though for most losers, it's impossible. Once at a barbecue, this winner met a loser from Denmark who wanted to become president of the United States. Winners know full well that a Denmarkian, or whatever a loser from Denmark is called, (laughs) cannot become president. Why? Because it's the law. And who creates laws? Winners. (laughs) This winner was not about to call the Denmarkian loser a fucking idiot. That would be mean, and winners reserve meanness for extreme situations, like being stuck behind someone driving a Prius. The winner instead flashed the loser from Denmark a friendly smile. Winners know that a smile is an effective way to disguise feelings of rage. (laughs) Winners don't set out to make big impressions, but they often do. The loser will no doubt email his friends back home in Denmark about the charming winner he met. He will write about how terrific a listener the winner was. He will write that the Euro socialist claptrap he was spewing did not seem to discuss the winner. In fact, the winner was disgusted. But winners have learned how to transform disgust into enthusiasm. The winner munched on his hot dog and suggested that one day the loser from Denmark could become a loser governor of California. (laughs) Like Arnold Schwarzenegger. The winner chose not to mention that he'd personally moved to Nevada if a commie Scandinavian was ever elected and allowed to legislate his pinko ideas. (laughs) To paraphrase the winner, Aaron Sorkin, losers cannot handle the truth. (laughs) If the asshole from Denmark had half a brain, he would have recognized that this discussion was getting out of control. He should have guessed that something was brewing when the winner's cheeks turned bright red and the vein on his forehead began to bulge. Instead, the loser kept talking about how wonderful the health coverage is in Denmark and about how unfunny Will Ferrell is. Paying special attention to social cues is the trait of a winner, not a loser. (laughs) Winners are often the greatest guys at barbecues because they know when it's time to leave, even though their exit may seem kind of abrupt. Winners know to disregard comments they hear from others, like, dude, why are you being such a douche? (laughs) And hey bro, can't Jurgen have his, an opinion? <laughs> Winners understand it is better to storm out of Joe Grant's backyard, tossing a Coors light into the pool on the way, rather than come to blows with a Denmarkian loser. Brawling with a man in clogs is behavior unbecoming of a winner. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Ah, Debbie, <laughs> my oh. new and soon-to-be best friend. <laughs> uh, you know, I have fallen in love with that story, Winners oh. and Losers, uh, and it was one of, when I first read your book, it was one of the first stories I talked to you about. The problem is, when I fall in love with a, a piece of entertainment, the first questions that pop into my head are all these obvious kind of VH1 behind the music type questions. <laughs> Those are the best <laughs> So, so i am just got to get them out of the way. Right now, real quick, you can answer them. You can not answer them, though. You probably should answer them because it's Q and A. Q&A. Uh,
0: it's just a Q. <laughs> <laughs> There's no A involved.
1: Is there a real winner? This character is based on. Do you remember what inspired you to write this story, or where you were at the time? And are we all winners and losers, Debbie? There. Okay, did it. Those are out of the way. Um, can you no, you this is
0: not inspired by anybody in particular. I don't remember why I wrote this story. <laughs> I.
1: I f- am I crazy or cliche to say that the, I f- reading it at this time, that whole story, I found something very Trumpian about
0: it? <laughs> yeah. I know, I think that's just like a, a, refusal it's a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, but, it's a marvelous coincidence.
1: Well, uh, now, I, I know... At the start of this story, uh, you, one, one, would have to be an asshole not to know or think that this guy is an asshole. Uh, but as you go on, uh, and you know, it's you know, hands down, the guy's a deluded, uh, a self-deluded monster, and you found that out more and more, even when you get beyond what you just read there in the story. But something happens along the way, and it's what I touched on a little bit in the beginning. Uh, and it seems to be a hallmark of a lot of your stories, mm. which is to say that uh, uh, little by little, or sometimes all of a sudden, like a left hook, you know, you unveil these glimpses of humanity of these characters that you know. At first, you kind of are like, oh, I know that guy. I hate that guy. He's cartoonish. That's the asshole that I hide from in the bathroom at work. And then you throw in these little tidbits, and you sneak them in, and you start to feel bad for them. And it sneaks up on you.
0: Well, I think that... You know, all of the characters in the book, I was talking to my husband about this, and he, you know, he was like, oh, how, these characters are so deluded. I'm like, I've had every single thought that all of these yeah. characters have ever had, so I'm the deluded one. It's me.
1: <laughs> right. That's the thing about it. That's the sort of thing when you right. read them, it's like, am I just one of these types of right. characters and no one is telling me? <laughs>
0: (laughs) I mean, I think we all, you know, everybody sort of suffers from the same, maybe not to the same degree as, you know, someone like that, but people, you know, you kind of... I think people sort of see themselves in a different light, perhaps, than other people see them. (laughs) Let me just speak the obvious.
1: Absolutely. And I don't know. I I felt like there was almost something to the fact that uh, uh, I remember when I was reading this story, I was like, ah, she nailed it. She nailed a type. This guy's ridiculous. And then I I felt kind of bad for feeling that way. And hopefully you guys will all see this when you get to the end of this story. Uh, And uh, you know, it, it, it kind of made me. I, I remember talking to your husband about it at work after I read the story. It made me uh, wonder whether or not you. I guess you didn't set out to do it, but like it made me kind of examine the, you know, the, the, the toxic nature or, or toxic characters that we meet in our everyday lives. Right. You know, you, it's sometimes very easy to forget that they come from something. Right. You
0: right. Know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think
1: it's it's
0: a lot of times when I was writing these stories, you know, something would it would start out in one way and you know there would be a lot of mileage about oh this person and that person and then at the end you know by the time it was all done I'd be like oh I really you know I Really feel something for that person, you know. I, I like. I feel I can't not like that person anymore, or, you know, whatever the beginning. Yeah. The start, a starting point of it is not the ending point.
1: Was it? Was it kind of hard to to strike that balance between where you wanted to paint and paint an honest portrait of, of assholery, uh, but also, <laughs> you know? That's uh, what should be titled. an honest the, portrait of, of assholery. assholery. <laughs> I'm changing the name. <laughs> Because That's it. I, I would think it would be hard to find. I remember, I, it was a weird thing, but I was reminded, and this is probably a stupid story. Uh, uh, I will preface <laughs> it sure with that. I'm sure it's not. Yeah. But I remember being in high school, and, and for one of the thesis projects I took, I thought, I'm going to get all the books there are On Adolf Hitler, and I'm going to research them, try getting all those books and coming up with an explanation. And I research them and see if I can find the little clues about his biography that made him become the way he became. And I remember I was walking around talking to my friends about my research and saying, "Did you know Adolf Hitler's father was a beekeeper? And he was often very upset when he was always stung by all the bees." And my friends mercilessly made fun of me, like, "Ah, the bees!" (laughs) Because it's hard to take. A quantity that you're so familiar with being negative negative, an asshole, and inject anything human into it. Right. And none of these characters are Hitler, no, obviously, no. but they're characters that you encounter at work that you right. know and they make your skin crawl because you know them, you know? And, right. and you did the magic trick of, uh, <laughs> of humanizing that a lot of times.
0: Well, thank you, Matt.
1: Sure. You, Matt. I have no question.
0: Let's <laughs> see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, uh, well, I don't know if you, uh, another big part of, uh, of, of this book, obviously, is the, the sort of office purgatory that you explore, and uh, you see that in the titular story, Kevin Kramer Starts on Monday, so I, do you, would you want to read a sure. Does, sample of that?
0: Why not? No. Why not? Okay. So this is called Kevin Kramer Starts on Monday. Kevin Kramer starts his new job on Monday. The executive team counts down the minutes to his arrival. (laughs) The executive team is made up of four white men, one woman, and one man who claims to be a Pacific Islander on tax forms, but everyone knows he's Armenian. (laughs) Kevin Kramer is exactly what the Products Profit Center needs in a senior vice president. He was groomed in corporate. According to Kevin Kramer's impressive resume, he worked previously for Procter & Gamble, Hewlett-Packard, and Mrs. Fields. (laughs) According to the the transcripts from his breakfast interviews, Kevin Kramer lives and breathes corporate. Mm -hmm. Kevin Kramer speaks in a low baritone, softly but with authority. He talks about concepts like tonnage and low-hanging fruit. Even though 85% of the executives surveyed had no idea what Kevin Kramer was talking about, 100% of them fell in love with him from the first interview. (laughs) Kevin Kramer is a pro. He always maintains eye contact. His handshake is firm, but not too firm. His hands are supple and (laughs) moisture-free. One executive, after shaking Kevin Kramer's hand, thought his fingers felt a bit rough. It turned out that Kevin Kramer played bass, with, played bass for years with his band, the Butt Gerbils. <laughs> when they couldn't get any gigs, they changed their name to Punkster. That executive later fantasized about Kevin Kramer playing Stairway to Heaven on stage with Robert Plant. She thought about Kevin Kramer touching her with his rough bass-hardened fingertips, and she came harder than she had in months. <laughs> Kevin Kramer says, leaders aren't afraid to hurt people's feelings in the best interests of the company. Leaders have no problem dispensing justice swiftly. Leaders never lose sleep at night. I sleep like a baby. This is why Kevin Kramer starts on Monday. (laughs) The executive team cheers when they see Kevin Kramer drive his Navy navy blue BMW into the parking lot Monday morning. One executive says, let the hammer fall. Godspeed this executive never washes his hands after visiting the men's room (laughs) he also refuses to say thank you when someone holds the door to the patio open for him unless that person is another executive or that sexy Indian girl in software (laughs) I can't see anything when Kevin Kramer starts on Monday He parks in his own parking space with his name in bold on a placard. No one else in the company has ever had their own personally designated parking space, not even the CEO. 80% of employees surveyed complained about the lack of parking. (laughs) Kevin Kramer realizes that many in the company will be angered by this change to the parking space policy. But Kevin Kramer refused to take the position of Senior Vice President unless he could be assured of his own parking space, and the executives agreed to his demand, provided that they too would receive their own parking spaces. The executives also tabled the plan to build a new parking garage for everyone else until 2020. (laughs) (laughs) On Monday, HR sends out an email explaining the new parking space policy. So as not to single out Kevin Kramer, the email mentions the others who are important enough to get their own spaces. One executive says, it's about fucking time. (laughs) This executive used the word fuck as much as possible because he liked to think of himself as Tony Soprano if Tony Soprano had been born in St. Louis and became a CPA. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Kramer has been hired to put new corporate efficiencies into place. He makes these efficiencies up during meetings. He does his best work under pressure. (laughs) Thank you. you.
1: (laughs) All right, I'm going to throw some terms at you. Might sound familiar. Okay. Accumulated paid time off. Products profit center. (laughs) The escalation team. (laughs) System setup capabilities, (laughs) buy one, get one picture at bumpers, (laughs) agile business units, user acceptance testing, Mm. interdepartmental potluck. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of feel like for anybody who's ever worked in an office, even if you haven't heard those terms, you've heard those terms. Right. (laughs) And I was uh, really impressed at the jargon uh, and, and well, throughout your book, and wondered whether all of it was what real. was it? All re- yeah, was it real? <laughs> was it the stuff that you just sort of?
0: You know, some of it is real, and some of it is kind of just made up. Real, you know, it's kind of along the same lines as real things, but they're not. It's not
1: really real. But but it's fair to say that that um, while you were dreaming up all of these stories, you were at the same time dying from some of that. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Not to yeah. name any names or bring up no, any specifics, no, no, think, but you seem fluent in the language of, of right. suburban office yes. purgatory. Well, you
0: know, I've worked in an office setting for a very long time, and I think I used to be very resentful of it because it was always like a creative, you know, I always worked as, as like a, in creative adjacent <laughs> you know, sort of industries and you know, it was always, why do I have to have this day job and blah blah blah. But you know, I think day jobs are really I mean, I hate myself for saying this, but I think day jobs are really important because it exposes you to a lot of other people that you wouldn't necessarily be exposed to if you were, you know, sitting at Starbucks writing, you know, your screenplay.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. If you if you keep your eyes open if you can. a lot of the times, these stories are are funny, hilarious, all of thank them. You, so, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the at times are merciless into in bringing to life the kind of cringing, walking, mm. like the mundane nightmares <laughs> that you encounter every day. Right. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, you, you, in some of the stories that you guys will read that, that I don't think you'll get a chance to read tonight. You're re- reading one more. Yeah. Uh, there's a mystery. Well, you have the mystery douche who's brought in to lead the Products Profit Center. That's your Mr. Kevin Kramer. Right, right. Uh, there's an unbalanced wackadoo that's sending out a long bridal shower invite on an email blast right. to her whole company. Right. Yes. And yes. uh, I, I wondered to myself, if you did have somebody in mind while you were writing these, these coming up with these portraits, did you, was there ever a twinge of guilt?
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Well, great, because they're here tonight no to right. confront you. <laughs> exactly. This is going to turn into like the lottery. Right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Mass stoning.
0: Um, yeah, no, I definitely did. I mean... There, it's it is fiction you know it's fiction it's not some right. you know it's not a tell all or anything like that <laughs> right. nobody is nobody is real everybody is kind of a combination of a bunch of things but um but yeah i i definitely did you know because people have different sides to them even people that you despise you know on the other you know, two minutes later, if you see them, you're like, oh, hey, how was your weekend? And, oh, I love your dog. He's so cute.
1: Well, that's why I think in some way, you, like like we were saying before, you did those people justice in a weird way for finding the little, you know, little parts of them that, that made them. They're not just, a, you know, an annoying caricature. Right. They, you know. The, the, they're the re- people and they
0: have <laughs> problems and they're, you know, they, they have their struggles. And it doesn't, you know, that doesn't make it okay if they act like jerks. But it doesn't, you know, they're they're people.
1: And that's why we're sad they need to be rounded up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) Went over like a lead balloon. (laughs) Good (laughs) night, everybody. Yeah, it's all on me. one of the things uh, we sort of been talking about, and, and, you know, <laughs> had a huge effect on me because I keep bringing it up. Uh, you, sh- you shine a, a megawatt light on these people who, who make the workplace feel awful, but then you, you do your sort of magic trick that you know reminds us, maybe you too, while you're writing it, <laughs> right. uh, of their humanity. So one of the things that I was wondering is, you have to paint such a clear picture of something you dislike, and then you have to do the reverse and find the humanity of them. Did that Make you as a person more or less cynical in the end?
0: That's a very good question, Matt.
1: <laughs> um, it makes up for the internment comment.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that.
1: Okay, I'll keep trying.
0: <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you know, I think it defi- its sort of n- uh, not on purpose, but it does make one less cynical, you know. Because I think it could—you can have the impetus to write something from a cynical place. I mean, that's just me. I can't speak for any of the other writers <laughs> out there, but you know, sometimes I tend to to get a lot of mileage from like a cynical place, and then sure. by the end of the story, it's like, oh, you know, I'm really—I don't really feel so cynical about this anymore.
1: Until tomorrow, and then I'll be cynical about it again. <laughs> That's a, you know it's funny? It had that effect in me, too. It was like, I have to rethink my choices. All these people that I don't like, they're humans, and they have these things, and I think I'm going to change my life, and the next day, gone. Yeah. <laughs> like so many epiphanies. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So I've heard this question asked it at Q&As before, oh. uh, uh, and yet, yet I'm going to ask it myself okay. because I'm a hack. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a single phrase in all these stories you're most proud of, and, and if so, why?
0: Oh, God. I, you know, I wouldn't... I I don't think there's, like, a single phrase that I'm like, that's genius, you know, like...
1: <laughs> chick
0: And done. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a line in one of... in the story that I'll read um, in just a second, a short bit that I'll read in just a second, that it's like a there's a list of FAQs and so one of the questions, all these things have happened in this story and it's, you know, all these terrible things have happened and then at the end there's like a list of FAQs coming from an HR person and one of the questions you know, that's a frequently asked question is, is our company going to be, is our company going to be in existence for the long haul? And the answer is, who of us is in existence for the long haul? (laughs) So, I, I mean, that, I, I can't say like that's the best thing ever, but I, I, I like
1: that one. Well, let's hear that story uh, and a few more of those phrases, uh, yes. a story entitled New Directions.
0: Thank you, Matt. Sure. Okay. And this is it, I promise. Okay. Employees, there's a matter of some importance that the executives would like to share with you. As leaders of a company that was voted one of the 500 most transparent companies in the San Fernando Valley (laughs) Westways Magazine September 2009 (laughs) we pride ourselves on addressing any type of situation. As most of you know the software department has been busy prepping for the first quarter release of MPM 3.0, the newest iteration of Production Solutions' continuing quest for better payroll processing software. MPM 3.0 will be a game changer, <laughs> providing our clients with sleeker and hipper ways to process payroll than ever before. <laughs> <laughs> that one's up there. Too. <laughs> But when managing director Deirdre Dempsey went down to the second floor last Friday for her regular meeting with our programmers, she found the department empty. She checked the kitchen and the patio, then asked Martin from facilities to check the restrooms on each floor. No software personnel were on the premises. Managing director Dempsey said she didn't find this altogether strange, given that the developers sometimes keep odd hours. She was, however, weirded out by the silence, so she sent what she describes as a forceful email to product manager Jim Smalley. That email went unanswered, and at 3 o'clock, she went back down to software with a full head of steam and again found no one. This time, the lights, which are on a motion detector, were out indicating that no one had been there in six hours. Since that time, HR has made contact with the families of all software department members. It seems they all left for work on Friday but have not been heard from since. We are investigating this phenomenon to the best of our abilities. The sheriff's department has been alerted, as as has the FBI. This is not, we stress, an emergency. (laughs) According to law enforcement, mass disappearances are not uncommon. (laughs) often one person will decide to take the day off and others will follow suit in senior ditch day fashion we trust in our officials and believe they are doing all they can to locate the missing software department we will continue to give you updates as they become available employees Some of you may have heard that the clothes the software department members were wearing at the time of their mass disappearance were found in the dumpster near the facility shed across the street. (laughs) This is unsubstantiated. No clothes were found in or around the dumpster. In fact, Bob Ferrara's nebulizer was still running when the department was discovered to be missing, so we can only assume the team left in a great hurry with no time to strip. (laughs) As soon as we have any new information regarding the software department, we will alert you. Employees... Some of you have expressed concern about the absence of several members of the accounting staff. <laughs> do not worry, they have all been located at their homes where they are suffering from pink eye, <laughs> courtesy of Doris McClellan's daughter, Amy. In response, the executive team is considering canceling Bring Your Daughter to Work Day. If your coworkers are out of the office, do not immediately assume the worst. Unless you are told otherwise, coworker absences are due to illness, paid time off, stress leave, or some other non threatening reason. <laughs> Please note that the search continues for the software department and that the executive team realizes that since we are primarily a software company, we cannot function without a software department. <laughs> we are meeting about this every day. <laughs>
1: All right. You want to open it up to the audience if they have sure. any, any questions? Do we want to use the mic or have them shout it? or <laughs> The burning questions.
0: Yes. Where,
1: where are you from
0: originally? I'm from Chicago originally. <laughs> from Glenview, Illinois, <laughs> specifically.
1: Lake <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you?
1: I, I grew up in Lake
0: are you kidding? I lived right. I lived practically at the corner of L- Lake and Waukegan.
1: I know very well.
0: That's so far. Fu- All right, we're talking afterwards. <laughs> yes. Um, what was the moment? Maybe it wasn't one moment, but what was the moment where you were like, "I read a book, and I'm ready now." You know, with short stories, it's not really like that. I was it. it the thing that's great about short stories is that once you write a short story, you're like, "Great, I wrote a short story. Maybe I'll write another short story, and then maybe I'll write another short story." And then but it's not like an, you know, you can you end up with like 15 short stories and then you're like, "Oh, I guess that could be a book." You know, it sort of happens by itself. You know, it sort of happens without you thinking about it. Is it less pressure? I don't know. I've never tried to write a novel before. So I, 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 I don't know, but it's I, that's, the, that's how it was for me. At least. Yes? So, this um, jargon, you know, I've really thought about this a long time and I really love the way you've been thinking about it. But I was always thinking, like, how it's a language they've developed for exclusion. I mean, basically, they're trying to exclude others. And if you're able to speak this nonsensical language right. and speak it well, then you get to stay in the game. Right, I completely agree. And so, you know, being slightly subversive, I would always go around stating exactly what I thought at every moment, you know, like subject or object. Right. Nothing upsets <laughs> people more than that. Right. <laughs> so, I guess these
1: are like language-inspired stories. They must be, right?
0: You know, that's a very good point. I think there's definitely, you know, there's such a hierarchy in the workplace and I've always been on the very low end of the hierarchy so I think it's just it's very ripe for you know satire to kind of like make fun or, or uh, satirize the, the people above but I think that there's a lot of pressure for those people because they have to you know to your point they have to be in the know all the time even though they're, they're, nobody's in the know it's uh, yeah I completely agree with you I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you said too. It's like like that guy he, nobody he was saying all these these keywords, right? But nobody knew what the heck he was right. talking about. And that's so much in. And it's like must you're right. We should feel sympathized with him because there they are not knowing what anybody's saying and yet having to speak the same to get the same knowledge. Absolutely. I, that's that's too much pressure. That's why I'm not in charge <laughs> of anything. <laughs> I'm so cool. Thank you. <laughs> Jim.
1: Yes. I have a question, do you think that the winners are more disenfranchised or the losers in your stories are more disenfranchised? Because <laughs> it feels like there's a theme kind of running through Right. It. like yeah. people are kind of like people are calling the shots and the other people are kind of disconnected from it in some way. <laughs> do you have a feel
0: for that? I think everybody's kind of disenfranchised. It's it goes both ways, I think. You know, there's other there are other stories in here about people who are just really Really, kind of like down on their luck and just not able to get it together in any way. And then, you know, there are people like Kevin Kramer who seem like they have it all together. And it's, I think, the the takeaway here is no one has it together. (laughs) No one, Jim.
1: (laughs) All right, good night, everybody.
0: (laughs) Thank you so
1: much, Matt, (laughs) for doing this. No, thank you. for coming. Thank you for you, you for coming. writing a great book. Go Thank on out you. and buy uh, Kevin Kramer's Starts Monday. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Buy one for yourself. Buy one for your friend. <laughs> uh, and if you guys like listening to stories, uh, be sure to listen to uh, uh, the podcast Tell It Anyway, hosted by my wife, Jenny Josephson. Yeah. TellItAnyway.com Thank Thanks for coming out.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right, guys.